0: Is Jehovah Shalom our peace, uh, and all the other Jehovah names? If he's if he is still any of those, and he has to still be all of those, he hasn't retired from any of those things. Uh, and so, you know, these things to me, uh, uh, of course, I, I love the Word of God, study the Word of God, but these things are not hard to understand. I don't I don't think anything that we've ever studied in all of healing is hard to understand. You know, now if you get into like the symbolism of the the feasts. And you know that can be complicated because well, who's dis- who decided that that's what it means? You know, I mean, some people say they, they do it, uh, and I remember reading years ago I was reading up to somebody studying the Book of Revelation, and and um, uh, this this the author was giving all the symbolism from the Book of Revelation. You know, well, this means this, this means that, and I thought, well, that's all good, but you don't tell me why any of that means. You just you know, it seemed to me like he just pulled them out of the air. Like he didn't give me any background, didn't give me any verse references of where this comes from, he just said, well, this means this. Okay, but, I mean, I could have said it meant, meant blue, you know, just with as much background, right? And, I, and I'm not trying to disparage that author. Of course, you don't know what I'm talking about. But, um, but you know, uh, there are some things that can be difficult in the Word of God, right? If you study, study certain topics, uh, especially when you get into types and shadows and symbolism uh, and, uh, you know, because there's a lot of symbolism in the word of god you know in fact she was talking with some earlier and um, those things take a lot of study and if you're going to do it right you have to do you know a thorough review of the word of god but healing is not one of those things right it's, it's not it's not even a hard topic to, to study uh, and so uh, although i know people that resist it and have a difficult time with the, with the doctrine itself i never ever understood why there is such a resistance and, and of course, we read some of what uh, what that fellow wrote on behalf of uh, Brother Bosworth really to attack him about how God did this and God put this on him. Uh, and, and, uh, and and, you know, those folks, uh, as far as I know, oftentimes they are sincere Christians, right? They honestly believe that what they believe is correct. Uh, and yet they've never challenged what they believe from the word of God and never saying, well, you know, I believe that God puts sickness and disease. OK, throw me show me three examples where God did that in the New Testament, uh, where we especially Jesus, because he his ministry w- was was known for healing. Right. Everywhere he went, he, he he's either preaching or healing or delivering. Uh, and that was that, you know, when people talked about Jesus, they would talk about his healing. You know, when she heard of Jesus, well, what'd she hear about him? She heard that he was a healer. So his ministry was known for healing, obviously, because he raised the dead, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, did all the above. In fact, John said if if uh, everything that Jesus did was written down, you know, he's not sure if the whole world could contain all the books of the things that he did. Right. Not just the things that he said, but the things that he did. Uh, So, you know, he did a lot more than the word of God uh, documents for us because the the Word of God couldn't contain it all, because obviously we don't want to read all the books in the world to understand what Jesus was about. We would never get done. But uh, he wrote down the things that were helpful to us, and he decided as the head of the church what things he would include in the Word of God. Uh, and so uh, show, me, show me one example where Jesus either said, I, I desire you for you to be sick, I prefer you to be sick, my great will... And plan in heaven is for you to be sick to teach you something to train you uh, in some way Uh, of course he never did that Uh, and then you know when they get to the discussion with paul and that's what we're talking about in this chapter in brother balser's book is they take scriptures that are not you know not really clear right scriptures that uh, could mean uh, this thing or mean that thing and and that's not unusual many scriptures you know because of the words that are used could be used in multiple ways, right? We've talked a lot about different words like sozo, the word saved, right? It can mean deliverance or, or um, uh, it can mean healing um, or it can mean salvation. And, and so you don't know what the use of that word is until you read the context of how that word is used, right? And, uh, and then as a whole, you know, you don't really know the, the bigness and the fullness of that word unless you do a good word study and look at all the verses that, that word have, is used then you can see, and, and we've gone through them before, but you can go through and see for the word sozo, for example, which we often use uh, to be saved, but you can see from the context of everywhere that's used, it really is used to mean deliverance. It really is used in, in deliverance from, from destruction and harm. Uh, it really use, is used for salvation, the born-again experience, becoming a Christian. And it really is used in the area of healing. Uh, but you, unless you do a good thorough study, you wouldn't really pick that up. And suke is another word which means your mind, your will, and your emotions. And many times it's translated as life uh, in the New Testament. Sometimes it's translated as soul. Uh, sometimes it's translated as mind. Uh, and a lot of times when it's translated as life, most people will go and look at that from a physical life. But that's not what it's talking about. If, if it's the word suke, then it means your, your soul. And usually when they use life in place for, for "suke" in the New Testament, uh, a better word would have been used, your will, your desires, uh, in the context, right, in the context of what he's talking about in the use of that word. So, so they take these words, because Paul doesn't come out and say, I had a sickness and disease in my eye. Uh, he doesn't say that, but they take these uh, words, these verses in first, or Second Corinthians chapter 12, along with a single verse out of Galatians chapter 4, and they say that Paul had a vision problem, a, uh, an eyesight problem. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 doesn't say that he had a vision problem. They assume that Galatians chapter 4, because it says that somebody else would pluck their eyes out for him, that that means that Paul had a vi- But it's not saying that Paul had a vision problem. He just said people would said that they would pluck their eyes out for him. So he never said anywhere that I've got a vision problem. He didn't say that in Second Corinthians chapter twelve. He never said that in, in Galatians chapter uh, four. And so people are 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 inferring uh, from the scriptures where well, the scriptures say this. Therefore, that means this thing over here. It doesn't say this thing over here. We're gonna we're saying that it means that. Well, I mean everybody's got an opinion, right? Uh, and I, you know, you could just say whatever you want to. So. Uh, when scriptures are not clear your your best uh, route to take to understand the fullness is to continue expanding your 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 reading to find out you know is there any other information along these lines is there anything that that talks about there's things and, and so that's where we had started last week and if you remember we went through the phrase thrown in the flesh and so you know that that's a that's a phrase, but we don't really know what that means. You know, I mean, we think we know what it means, and uh, and um, and we use it generally correctly. That well, they're a thorn in my flesh, right? Uh, because if you go and look at the context of how that phrase is used in the old covenant, it was always referring to what people, right? Did it ever refer to sickness and disease? Was it ever used in the context of This sickness is a thorn in my side. This, you know, cancer or blood disease or, you know, uh, I mean, the Old Testament talks about things that are itchy, right? And scratchy. And, uh, uh, you know, was there ever any context? And we looked at several scriptures, right? But in every case, it was always the same context that the thorn in the flesh meant that people would be annoying you. Uh, And, uh, I mean, we can all say, yep. That, that uh, uh, explains about 12 people I know right now, right? They're a thorn in my flesh, they're a thorn in my flesh, they're a thorn in my flesh, right? Uh, but no one has ever said, well, you know, COVID-19 is a thorn in my flesh. Nobody ever says that, right? Because, because we know the connotation of that. It is something that's annoying you or persecuting you because that's what God said the people would do in the Old Testament. Uh, and if we look at Paul's life, everywhere he went, what did people do? They persecuted him, right? Uh, you know, and it was almost always the Jews, right? Sometimes it was some of the local folks, but for the most part, it was the Jewish nation who hated Paul because he was a, a threat to their way of life, and to their understanding. And so, so a good student of the Word doesn't take, you know, some uh, uh, what I call obscure verses, verses that that are not clear. They don't come out and say, like Exodus fifteen twenty six, "I am the Lord that healeth thee." There's nothing unclear about that verse, right? It's very specific. I am this. Well, what are you, Lord? I am the Lord that healeth thee. So that's clear, right? You don't need a lot of explanation for that verse. Now, by his stripes you were healed. Okay, you don't need a lot of uh, context for that verse. We know the stripes that he took. He took it from the time that he was arrested to the time that he was crucified on the cross, that he was beaten and, and all, he was never beaten before that. He was never beaten after that. So we know that the stripes that he took we're in that three-day period uh, from the time that, or not three-day period, but uh, really is uh, about a, a one day, right, from the time that he was captured and guarding Gethsemane to the time he's crucified. And, and during that 24-hour period, he received stripes uh, on his physical body for our benefit. So that's, that verse in 1 Peter 2, 24 does not need a lot of context. You don't need a lot of studying and research because it is pretty plain. But, you know, the Lord... In his infinite wisdom, many times he put things in the Word of God that were not perfectly clear uh, because he wanted us, he told us in, in 2 Timothy uh, 2.15, uh, to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Uh, and, um, uh, Jerry, let's see if that's in, in 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 2.15. Um, he said to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Uh, and so that's uh, in Second 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the Lord always intended uh, that all of us as Christians should study the word of God. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a professor. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a PhD in in studies, but to study the scriptures, to find out what they mean. So that with the goal of being able to rightly dividing or understanding what the word of God means. Well, that implies that if you can rightly divide the word of God, then you could what? You could wrongly divide the word of God. You could wrongly uh, say what the word of God means. And uh, how many times have you heard people just make up stuff in the pulpit? Well, this means that, and you're like, are you accepting questions? Because I need to ask a question about what you just said. You know, uh, in fact, one minister said some crazy things, and another minister went up and said after the after the service, said, Hey. You need to show me where you got that from because I've never heard anything like that before, and I and I don't know where it's, where that's in the Word of God. He goes, oh, he said, what I'm preaching is way beyond that thing, talking about the Word of God. He called the, the Word of God that thing. I, well, I'm way beyond the Word of God. Well, if you're way beyond the Word of God, you are way beyond a lot of things, right? Uh, and so, so you can wrongly interpret the Word of God, and people do it every day. Uh, and you know the the thing about. All of the studies of the word of God, the more you study, the more humble you should become. But some people, the more they study, the more prideful they become. And they will stick to their guns. I mean, if the Lord Jesus appeared and said, well, you know, what you believe right there is just wrong. But Jesus, you're wrong. You're just, you know, uh, you don't even know what you're talking about, Jesus. Now, they wouldn't quite say it that way, but they will stick to their guns till their last breath on the air, on the earth. Now, in fact, some people, you know, there was a story with Brother Hagen that uh, uh, this one fella, he was a pastor. And he was against the word of faith message and healing and those types of things. And, and somewhere along the way, um, he started to get some light about that and realized maybe he wasn't quite right about that. So he invited Brother Hagen to come and do uh, some services for him. And uh, and so Brother Hagen would typically do like a morning service and an evening service. And uh, the, the pastor of the church never showed up to any of the morning services. Uh, and... and um, and that's where Brother Hagin would typically would teach in the morning service and preach at night. That was generally the way he did things back then. And, uh, and the wife came to Brother Hagin and said, you know, could you ask my husband to come to the services? You mean the ones that he invited me to do? Yeah, yeah, those services. Uh, and, and he said, well, yeah. He said, well, you know, why do you ask me that? She said, because I just sense if he doesn't come to these services, he's going to die. Well, the Lord had spoken to Brother Hagin that says if he doesn't come to these services, he will die. Now, she, got it, she picked it up as an unction, but he got it by uh, uh, the word of knowledge that the Lord spoke that to him. And so So finally, Brother Hagan went to talk to the pastor and said, hey, you know, uh, why don't you come to these meetings? They're your meetings. You invited me to come, you know? You just, you just think it'd be kind of, it'd be like when Brother Randy was here, if I don't show up, yeah, you know, I'm busy. You know, I got a golf, golf, you know, tea time, you know, in the mornings. So I'm not gonna be able to make it, Brother Randy. Sorry about that. Uh, that'd be disrespectful. I mean, I, I just can't imagine disrespecting a minister like that anyway, you know? Uh, and so uh, he said, well, Brother Hagen." he said, because uh, Brother Hagen said, well, you know, if you don't if you don't come to these meetings, the Lord said you're going to die. He said, I know. Uh, he said, uh, all my life I've preached against healing. Uh, and I, I realized, you know, here uh, just recently that you know, I've been wrong about that. He said, but, he said, but I'd rather die than to go and tell everybody that I was wrong. Now, that's just dumb, Right. You know, I mean, imagine when you get to heaven and you get the real revelation of all those things and realize how dumb of a decision that was. Uh, You know, you just stand before the Lord Jesus and He'll just look at you and go, I mean, want you say anything, just go to the back of the line. I mean, you know, just uh, because that's just dumb, right? That's prideful. And some people will stick to their guns and die because they don't want to change. Now, now we should always have an open heart when we approach the Word of God, always. And, you know, uh, when somebody says... um, you know, I don't believe in healing. I, I can listen to them and tell me, well, tell me why you don't believe in healing. Now, all I'm going to hear pretty much is blah, 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 because they don't have any Bible for it. You know, they'll, well, Grandma died. You know, well, Sister Doodad, she died, and she was a great saint of God. That's terrible. I'm sorry the Sister Doodad died, but what's, did she write the Word of God? Is she the one who validates and authenticates the Word of God, that if, if she lives holy, then therefore the Word of God is so? If she lives a perfect life, then therefore God is true and honest God? and that uh, we judge the Lord in heaven by somebody's life on the earth. I mean, I have no idea why Sister Doodad died. I, I can't tell you that, but, but we don't judge the word of God by our life's experiences. Because if we did, I mean, how many life's experiences are there? There's a zillion, and, and they're from this end of the spectrum to that end of the spectrum. And, and, and none of them match up, right? So you can't take, because you'd have to really, to do it right, you'd have to take everybody's life's experiences uh, and put them all together to determine the will, the will of God. Well, this person over here got healed supernaturally. This person didn't. So how do you reconcile that? Mm. Well, then the way people reconcile it is well, sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. That's just, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. Well, that's that's cop out, right? That's, I don't like those kind of answers because then, then I'm stuck. I like answers that the word of God is clear. And the word of God is clear about many of these things. And, and healing is one of those things. Uh, and so, so let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll continue there. So we went through the phrase, we, we, we got the biblical foundation that the phrase, a thorn in the flesh, never meant sickness and disease. It always meant uh, persecution, right? It always meant somebody was annoying you. Uh, and so, uh, and that, so we'll read these verses, then we'll jump over to the book of Acts here. Uh, so Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure. So who wanted to hinder Paul from being exalted? Did the Lord want to hinder Paul from being exalted? Does the Lord never want his children to be exalted? Let me ask it the other way. Does the Lord ever want his children or is is the Lord ever okay with his children being exalted? Well, what did he say in in 1 Peter chapter 5? He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will what? Exalt you in due season. So is it wrong for a Christian ever to be exalted? Well, no, because the Lord literally says if you stay humble, he will exalt you. In other words, he will lift you up uh, and, and cause you to... Be famous or, you know, I don't know what exalted, you know, exalted can mean a lot of different things. It, it will never mean he will, uh, people will worship you. You should never seek to be worshiped because you're not worthy to be worshiped. You'll never be worthy to be worshipped. But being exalted can, can mean that your ministry uh, expands and your ministry is well known. And you have a, uh, you have a large worldwide ministry. And, you know, you look at people like, uh, like Billy Graham, you know, I mean, how many people did he minister to over the years? It's probably tens of millions of people, is my guess, you know, because he had a long uh, career while he was on the earth. So it's millions of people, right? Well, who did that for him? Well, the, the Lord did, right? The Lord exalted him. Uh, you know, you ever, you ever listen to, to Billy Graham? He just, I mean, if you like good preaching, you know, listen to He just was a really excellent minister, right? Uh, and, uh, and, I mean, Martin Luther King. You ever listen to him preach? He was an excellent preacher, right? Well, who exalted him? Jesus did, you know. Uh, it, the Lord did because of their hearts, right? Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of great ministers. But there are a lot of people that, that they, although they're humble, you know, the, the Lord just, they're going to have a small, uh, regional, local ministry. And that may be all their life, you know. But the Lord still will exalt them when they get to heaven. It's never, he's never going to, hold back, you know, his blessing from people. It may just be a different time frame than, than uh, we like sometimes. And so so uh, it wasn't that the Lord didn't want him to be exalted. And so, because a lot of people will take it that way. The, the pe- a lot of people think, well, the Lord needs to hold Paul back. And so the Lord's going to hold him back by giving him a thorn in the flesh. But I mean, that's just, that's not even, just read the verse, right? Lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelation, well, who gave them? Who gave Paul the revelation? Well, the Lord did the revelation. It doesn't come from the devil. It comes from the Lord. So the Lord gave him the revelation, but then the Lord said, "Well, I know I gave you all that, but you know to keep you from getting the big head, I'm going to also give you a thorn in the flesh." Okay, uh, but how does that keep Paul from being exalted? Right. The the purpose of uh, of uh, the thorn in the flesh. Uh, was to persecute Paul out of existence, right? Because, I mean, didn't they stone him there at Lystra? <laughs> that's, that's trying to keep him from being exalted, right? Well, we're just going to kill you. That'll keep you. And that, generally speaking, will keep you from being exalted, right? If, you, if they kill you, uh, and uh, it would be a real hindrance to you if you're dead. Uh, and so, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance or because of the abundance of revelation that was given to him by God, uh, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of who? Satan uh, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So the intent of the thorn in flesh was to buffet Paul, right? Was to attack Paul, right? To buffet means to to uh, one translation says blow after blow, right? Uh, to attack him and to beat him up, and it really cause him to lose hope, uh, cause him to just it's not worth the trouble. It's not worth you know the constant annoyance of of this thorn in the flesh to continue to pursue God and to continue to tell people that God is good. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, I'm not Paul by any means, but sometimes in, in preaching the word of God and preaching the goodness of God, and then you listen to the church as a whole, and you hear how many people say over and over, again, God put sickness and disease on them, that God put the tornado on them, that God, and you think it's just, it's really wearying sometimes to listen to you know, all this negativity that's completely unscriptural and completely ungodly. Uh, and you think, Lord, you know, we're 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 putting out the word of truth message uh, in our church. And yet the church as a whole, it's just it just it seems like it's always a race to the bottom. Uh, and, and and I understand the weariness of, you know, on a small scale of uh, not that I'm buffeted like Paul either in that. But still, you know, the the thoughts of what's the point? right? Uh, I'm doing all this work. Paul's doing all this work. He's preaching the revelation that Jesus is the Lord and he's the Messiah, the fullness of all the the scriptures. Yet everywhere he goes, the very people, the Jewish people who were trained in this knowledge of the Messiah, trained in this knowledge of who who he would be, everywhere he goes, even though he's called to the Gentiles, he still went everywhere he went, still talked to the Jews. Uh, And they were supposed to be the carriers of this great revelation, the carriers of this great covenant of the earth uh, and, and to shepherd it into the New Testament. That was the, always the intent of the Jewish nation, that God was going to give it to them. Uh, and he gave it to the people, the individuals. You know, all the apostles were, were Jewish. Paul was a Jew. But the leadership turned away from God. But not the people, the leadership. And of course, wherever the leadership goes, that's where, that's where the nation goes. And so the nation took a hard left went away from being the responsible people to, to carry the, the gospel to the world and left it to the individuals, Paul and, and the other apostles who were Jews. Uh, but they missed their window. They missed their, their reason to exist. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul, uh, the messenger of Satan, was there to buffet him to, keep, to, to suppress Paul's ministry, right? To, uh, he said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Uh, And so, you know, the devil hates when faith is exalted. The devil hates when when miracles and signs and wonders are exalted. The the devil hates when the goodness of God is exalted uh, in the world. Uh, The devil loves when people says, well, God put the sickness and disease on me because, you know, it's it's the whole, you know, how many politicians have have done this to keep people from looking at that. Right. Well, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go drop a bomb over here. I'm going to go do this thing over here so that nobody pays attention to this thing over here, right? And the devil loved, he. you know, who came up with that strategy? Well, the devil's the first one to come up with that strategy, right? Because the devil loves the, for the people of God to say, well, God put sickness on me, and, and Satan's laughing all the way to the bank because he's the one doing it, and yet people are ascribing that to God. And, uh, and, and the devil's like, sweet, that's a great deal right there, right? Uh, and how many things of the devil has people in the church said, well, God did that? God dropped a telephone pole on me. Or God uh, put a tornado in my life. Or God gave me cancer. Or God, you know, uh, uh, you know, God took my child. Or God took my spouse. Or God took my mother. Uh, and, and is a God a, the killer of people? I thought the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So, so the purpose of the buffeting was to was to hinder Paul's ministry. Uh, and you know. If it was sickness and disease, of course, it would hinder his ministry. But that's not what, what the thorn in the flesh was. The thorn in the flesh was the persecution that Paul suffered under uh, while he was there. Uh, and and so, of course, we continue reading there. He said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the thing that I uh, infer from this is that there was somebody in particular that was really an annoyance to Paul. And, you know, there are certain people who seem like they're assigned to be an annoyance to you. They're always annoying you, right? They're always trying to attack your ministry, they're always trying to attack the things that you do. Uh, and and, uh, and it's, it's probably somebody of some position or, or title or influence that was doing this. Uh, and, um, and, but we don't know specifically who it was. But Paul did go to the Lord three times about it. Uh, and the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Uh, and so that word infirmities there, and this is really the, the key part, one, a key part of this particular verse, is the word infirmities doesn't mean sickness and disease. It, it literally means weakness. So that could be could mean physical weakness, but it also could be mean weakness in the sense of, you know, that person knows how to push my buttons. Well, that's a weakness, right? Or that box of donuts, well, that's my weakness. I mean, how many people have seen have weakness for a box of donuts, Right? Uh, especially the, you know, the little apple fritters, right? I mean, you know, you get the plain glaze, well, you know, no weakness there, but you got the apple fritters, well then, you know, uh, just Katie bar the door, right? It's, it's, so you may have a weakness for certain things, right? I mean, you give me a box of cookies and a gallon of milk and there'll be sin in the house in no time at all, right? I mean, you know, one cookie, two cookies, that's not sin, right? But I don't know where the number is, but somewhere between two and 20 is sin, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, you, you may have a weakness, uh, for that particular thing, right? And you ever notice how uh, you can withstand the persecution from a lot of different people, but this person over here, they for some reason they have the way to say just the right thing to just really get into your skin, right? Why is that? Because you have a weakness for, for whatever it is that they say, right? Maybe you feel insecure about certain things and they know how to pick that one particular thing out, right? Uh, you know, uh, years ago, this, this one person... Uh, came to me said said uh, you're a terrible teacher. Well, they could have said a lot of different things, but that's the one thing, you know, for me that that I, I'm called to be. it, Right, I'm a pastor teacher, and so they didn't say you're a terrible administrator or a terrible singer or terrible whatever. They 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 found the one thing, and you know, it took me like a day to get over that. You know, maybe two days, I don't know. Uh, but see, if they if they said a lot of other things, it wouldn't have bothered me at all. Right, but they said that that one thing there. Because the devil knows the very thing that you hold dear. You know, I remember one time uh, someone came to me and said, "Uh, you're a horrible person. They said, uh, because you're educated, you always talk over everybody. Like you're so smart. You intentionally talk over everybody. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord, all my life as a Christian, you know, and I am an educated person, right? But there's nothing... There's nothing neither good nor bad about being educated, right? It can be a blessing. It can be a hindrance to you. It depends on you. Uh, um, and so, but some people, they think because you're educated, you're automatically not spiritual. Well, then that's the same thing as if you're five foot six or above, you're not spiritual, right? Or if you weigh 150 pounds or below, you're not spiritual. I mean, you just pick random things out of the air, right? And say, well, that means you're not spiritual. It's dumb, right? But, but anyway, they said, you. and now for me personally, as long as I've been aware of these types of things, I've always tried to make sure that although I'm educated, I don't want to talk over people. I don't want to talk like I'm and use $64 words just because I can. Now, if I'm with a bunch of propeller heads, you know, and a bunch of engineers, we'll talk about stress strain, you know, and and hysteresis loops and, you know, uh, 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 whatever you want to talk about, right? Uh, All kinds of uh, different uh, uh, technical terms, right? Talk about bits and bytes and, you know, kilobytes and, you know, subroutines and, yeah, I can talk about, I go all day. I mean, you want to go, you want to all go to sleep here real quick? I'll just talk to you, get you all uh, sleeping really quick, right? Uh, and Chris is like, what are you doing over there? And I'll tell her, and she goes, well, I'm sorry I asked, you know. <laughs> well, I'm fixing the index of my, you know, of the table column of this right here. And she's like, what'd you just say, right? You said words, but I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, and so, uh, but, but I've always tried to make sure that, you know, I understand the, the people that I'm with. Uh, And I'm not trying to talk down to people, but I don't want to I don't want to intentionally talk over people. And I've always been aware of that and uh, and made sure that. But see, they picked that one thing that I've really tried hard to do. And so, you know, I thought, well, I just put this back on them. I said, well, tell you what, next time I do that, because they said I always do it. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. Right. I said, okay. well, since since I am completely obviously unaware of this thing, why don't you tell me the next time I do that? Uh, and, and this person left the earth several years after that. You know, they never came to me after that. Why? Because I wasn't doing it to begin with. But so they knew the things. See, if they said other things, right, that, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, well, you're, you know, uh, I've had people tell me, well, you, you know, you're, you're intimidating. I, I, I've got to be the least intimidating person you'll ever meet, you know, but people, oh, you're You're intimidating. Well, sometimes people are intimidated because of their own insecurities, right? Oh, you're, you're, you're educated. Well, that means that makes me insecure. Well, that means you need to grow up because I'm not better than you because I have a degree on the wall, and I don't even think I'm better than, than anybody else anyway, whether I got a degree on the wall or not. Uh, but people, because you got a degree, that makes them intimidated. Well, that's their own insecurities. And I'm not going to not get a degree because that might intimidate somebody. If, if I feel the need to get a degree, I'll get a degree and... and I'm looking at my life and what's, what's going to concern you. That, I mean, I would do nothing if, if that was the case. And so, uh, so uh, but whatever this thing is, uh, it was a weakness to Paul. And that thorn in the flesh, whoever that person was, because it had to be a person, right? Because all the context of the thorn in the flesh in the Old Testament was always a person. Or people, but, it, you know, in this case, it was probably a person. Uh, and, and so the Paul said, you know, Lord, get, you know, get rid of this thing out of my life. I'm tired of being persecuted in this particular way. Uh, and the Lord said, my, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So uh, he said, uh, most gladly, there were will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ, that word power there is, is uh, dunamis, and the word strength there is dunamis. So my supernatural miracle working power is made perfect in weakness. And, and really, you know, uh, when we realize that we can do nothing in and of ourselves, that is the acknowledgement of our weaknesses, right? That, and that's really the way we should operate as Christians is acknowledge that we are incapable to to do anything supernatural in and of ourselves and that by by acknowledging that, we're acknowledging that we are inherently weak people. Not in a bad way, but just weak in the sense of incapable of, of producing any supernatural uh, signs and wonders in and of ourselves. Uh, and so... So the Lord Jesus was saying, you know, you need to understand that you you, in, in and of yourself do not have the capacity to resist this person. You know, you can't because a lot of times what happens is we as Christians is well, we will use psychology to overcome problems, right? We use mental games and, and, and uh, you know, mental uh, um, trickery in our own self uh, to overcome. Well, they don't mean that. Well, you know, uh They must be having a bad day or, you know, uh, whatever. Maybe they're yielding to the devil. And, you know, sometimes people are just mean. It's not anything, you know, you don't have to wrap up in a pretty bow and, well, they didn't really mean that. Sometimes they really meant to hurt you. Sometimes they really mean to be a jerk and say something that's just rude and unkind and just intentionally say something to, to stab you in the heart. You know, Christians, right, will do that. Uh, and it's terrible, but remember what James said that, that uh, sweet water, bitter water comes from the same fountain? He said, "Brethren, these things what ought not be so. Not be so. Why did he say that? Because sometimes they are so. But it is terrible in it that, that sweet and bitter waters would come from the same fountain. Uh, and so uh, so uh, we, we shouldn't use mental games to overcome persecution. We should use the power of God. To overcome, per- and that's what the Lord said. My grace, my ability working in you, you have the ability to withstand that persecution. Because uh, now we can turn over to the book of Acts, uh, to Acts chapter nine. You know, I, uh, I've told you a lot of stories about my pastor, and you know, I love my pastor and, and I look forward to seeing him again someday. Uh, but the way that he dealt with persecution, and he was persecuted a lot. And I tell you what, any time that that uh, that you uh, want to pursue faith, you will be persecuted because the devil hates faith. You know, the devil, the devil gave Paul that thorn in the flesh or caused that person to become a thorn in Paul's flesh because of the revelation that Paul had. And faith is all about revelation, right? Uh, and so if you're a person of faith, you will be persecuted because uh, if you're not persecuted... Then, then the devil is concerned that you will be exalted and many people will, will be blessed by what you have to say. And, and the devil doesn't like that at all. Uh, and so, uh, but my pastor, uh, he was persecuted a lot. And he, and he really struggled with that area of his life. And, uh, and I think part of the reason why the Lord had me to go and be part of his ministry is to learn from him. Because he went, in fact, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, you know, saying I think, is not accurate i know because the lord specifically said you go be part of his ministry because there's things that he needs to teach you Uh, but it wasn't just good things to learn from my pastor i also had to learn some of his failings and and why he failed and to and to avoid those same things in my life so people would treat him and just say the worst terrible things to him and they'd wait for the uh, right before the service and put a note on on his on his podium and he'd open up the note, you know, a minute before service, and he'd say, you're a, you're a terrible person, you're horrible, you know, you're a devil. And, you know, that is a, now that's a Christian doing that. Now that person has to answer to the Lord Jesus someday for that piece of paper right there. Because what if the Lord had, had prompted somebody to come to church that particular day? And then for the pastor to give just the perfect message that that person would then come back to the Lord or, or become a Christian for the first time. But he can't do it because his mind's all all flaky now because this person wrote this horrible thing in the letter uh, and that person misses heaven. Well that that person missing heaven is on that person who wrote that letter. Uh, And I can guarantee you there's gonna be a lot of people like that that will miss heaven because somebody was so rude and and so unkind to a a minister to write a letter like that and then drop it off right there before church. With the instant you know, they they can't put it in the mail and send it home. No, that's not good enough, right? They can't just uh, schedule a meeting and talk to the pastor one-on-one. And I've had people do the same thing. Uh, hey, pastor, you got a minute before the service? Yeah, okay, you sure? You, you know, what's up? You're a horrible person. Why couldn't you wait till after the service to tell me that? You know, now that person will stand before the Lord Jesus and he's going to ask him about that. Hey, can, let's review that. Uh, Lord, I don't want to talk about it. Well, that's good. We're talking about it anyway, right? And he's going, hang on a second. Uh, pastor Chip, uh, Gabriel, go get Pastor Chip. Bring, bring him here. <laughs> pastor Chip, you sit right there. You know, now, if I did the same thing, he's going to go, hey, now you hang on. Uh, uh, he's going to ask me. Now, hang on, if you same, go get so-and-so. And, and they're going to be right there. and It's going to be really awkward, right? I don't know. Is he going to do that? Uh, yeah, he hadn't asked me about it, you know, but uh, uh, but there's a good chance that he'd do that because the Bible says, out of the mouth of three, three witnesses, let every, every word be established, right? And so he's not going to take your word. Well, well, you know, well, they were a terrible person. But can you believe that? You know, uh, 20 minutes before service, pastor, you can ah, sure, you know. Maybe there's, you know. Give me an offering or something. I don't know, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to you, tell me how wonderful I am? Go ahead, say it again, right? Um, I, I don't need anybody's accolades, but, you know, uh, it, it doesn't hurt to encourage the pastor every now and then. I encouraged my pastor many times over the years. Uh, but they would do that, you know, you're a horrible person. And so, so my pastor's way of dealing with it was, he, uh, and he would say this from the pulpit. In fact, he said it for a whole month, like every Sunday, and finally I went and talked to him about it. But he would say, every person that comes in that door is going to stab me in the back someday. That's a terrible thing to say because there's a lot of people walking that door, wonderful people, love God, right? Do anything to help anybody. But you're going to accuse them before they've ever done anything that they're going to stab you in the back someday. He said, that way, when, when they do it, uh, I won't be hurt. Now, see, that's not my grace is, is made, uh, my grace is efficient for you, for, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's you playing a mental game of, I know I'm going to get hurt, so I'm going to prepare to get hurt, before I'm ever hurt, that way you're a horrible person. So when you are a horrible person, then it doesn't bother me. But that's because First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen said that love is ever ready to believe what the best of every person, right? So that's a direct violation of the Word of God. If I don't know whether you're a good person or a bad person, and you walk in and go, "Yep, bad person. Yep, bad person. Oh, here's who's a bad person. Oh, all you raise your hand because all you terrible people, right? Uh, and yet we all still went to his church, and so <laughs> But, see, that was his way of dealing with conflict. That was his way of dealing with the heartache. But, see, Jesus told Paul that, that, that uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. In other words, my grace is able to help you through this conflict. His grace, right? He said, I'm not going to remove the thorn from you. You have the capacity to stand in the midst of that thorn and still be a strong uh, Christian, that is a person of faith. A person of, of low faith says, "All you all are horrible people. You're all going to stab me in the back someday. So when you do, I'll be ready for you." That is not the way we deal with things, right? We deal with things by power and faith, amen. So, uh, will somebody ever persecute me again? Absolutely, somebody will persecute me again. Is everybody going to persecute? No. It's it's 99% of people are wonderful people, right? 1% of the people are horrible people, right? And they'll probably still make it to heaven. Uh, and more than likely, the Lord will have me train them when they get to heaven, right? Because it's something like the Lord would do, right? Okay, you go sit on a... You didn't, you didn't send a Pastor Chip long enough when you was on the earth? You go sit on him for another thousand years. Well, anybody Lord by him. Yep, under him. Shut up. Go to class, right? But you've got to sit in the back row. Uh, and so, I don't know if I was going to do that, you know, but... but uh, uh, it just seems like something the Lord would do, you know. If I was God for the, for the day, that's what I would do, right? Uh, and you know, so uh, I'm glad the position's not up for hire. Uh, so, uh, so let, let's look and see here in Acts chapter nine. So we know in Acts chapter nine was when Paul uh, was on the road to Damascus, uh, and so, so now he's telling. Uh, in fact, let's let's back up to uh, earlier on there. Uh, <clears throat> he said. Um. Well, let's just start in verse one here. What time we got? Oh yeah, we got plenty of time. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. You know, it's like where's the police? I mean, you just go arrest somebody, a citizen arrest, and go to be your own police officer, right? Things were a lot, uh, lot uh, stranger back in this time, right? Uh, and so, and as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined right about, around about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? If people would read verse 4, they would never say another unkind thing to another Christian. Because if you, if you persecute another Christian, who are you persecuting? The Lord Jesus himself. Every unkind word ever said to me with the intent to harm me, was a direct assault against the Lord Jesus. Every unkind word I've ever said to anybody to attack them, and I don't know that I've, I've ever done that, not, at least not in many, many years, um, has always been against the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, and I, and I can guarantee you that this, will, this conversation will happen. Uh, uh, so-and-so, did you say this against Pastor Chip? Uh, yes, sir. He said, why did you attack me? He's going to ask him, why did you attack me? Why did you persecute me by saying that to Pastor Chip? Well, I wasn't attacking you, I was attacking him. Why did you attack me? And what he said right there, why are you persecuting me? See, the Lord does not take kindly when anybody attacks his, especially the more innocent that you can be, the the more difficult it will be for the person that uh, is doing attacking. And it seems as though uh, my observation is the more innocent that you are, the bigger target that the uh, devil paints on your, uh, on your back because he's got nothing to get. Now, if you see if you're out robbing banks, then pff, he just let that be known, right? He, he doesn't have to attack your character or anything. He just let it be known that, hey, you're robbing banks, right? But if you're not robbing banks, then the devil's got nothing on you. So he's got to go make up stuff and bring people that are unkind to you. Uh, and he says, say, hey, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Again, repeated it, right? You're persecuting me. Never mentions a single Christian, right? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Um, and, uh, and, he, and, he, uh, and he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, well, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said, I am arising, go to the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So immediately the Lord's telling Paul, walk by faith. I'm not going to tell you, you go, do, you go oh, be obedient to this one step and I'll tell you the next thing later on. You know, you don't get the end from the beginning. You, you get one step, right? You go do this thing. Uh, and then down in verse 10, it says, And this, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Uh, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Now, now, who was Ananias? Was he an apostle? Was he a prophet? Great minister of God? No, he was just a disciple. And we don't mean that in a diminishing way. We just mean that he didn't hold any position in the church. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go in the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision. So now the Lord was kind enough to give Paul immediately a vision, right? Uh, So somewhere along the way, Paul accepted the Lord, because later on uh, Ananias calls him Brother Saul. Uh, And so uh, the Lord started giving Paul visions immediately. And, you know, the Lord, uh, he will do that to certain people. Certain people's lives will be known as, uh, as lives like this. Now, now, Ananias said, but this may be the only vision Ananias ever received. But Paul received revelation all of his life, as far as we know. Uh, and so he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Uh, so, you know, Ananias says, Lord, are you sure? Uh, you know, like, the like, uh, Lord's going to go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh, yeah, you're right. That guy? Oh, yeah, I didn't mean that guy. I meant the guy over here, right? No, he meant, he meant Saul, right? Brothers, well, let go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name bef- before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for what? My name's sake. So then we know the rest of the story, right? But see here, the Lord told, and I said, Paul is going to have to suffer a lot of things for his namesake, or because of his name. And we know, if we look at the story of Paul, uh, how many times was he persecuted? Like everywhere he went. Why? Because he had preached the name of Jesus. So you preach the name of Jesus, and persecution comes, right? Uh, and so, uh, but but the, was the Lord talking about sickness and disease here? No, He's talking about persecution. And if you remember what we talked about last week. One of the greatest revelations the Lord ever gave to me, and, it, and of course it's in here, right? Because the Lord said he's going to go to Gentiles and kings, right? Uh, but he's going to have to suffer. But why is he going to suffer? Because he's got to go to these people that don't know him, and he's got to preach the gospel to them in the hope that they'll receive him. Uh, and, and, you know, years after my pastor was gone, had gone home to be with the Lord, I was just talking to the Lord one day. And, and you know, I, I, it was a sincere, sincere question. I said, I said, Lord, why did you have me go to that church? Because, you know, for the first many years, it was wonderful, you know, days of heaven on the earth. But, you know, the last many years was just terrible. Was persecution all the time, constant persecution for years. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Lord, why did you have me go there? And it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, I'm so mad at you, Lord. It was just it was a because, you know, the Lord knows everything, right? And he knows what was going to happen. And yet he, he sent me there. I know he sent me there. He said, you go there, right? So I knew I was supposed to go there. And yet I suffered, you know, and you've heard the stories, you know, just amazing stories, right? Uh, but people doing just terribly unkind things to me, right? Saying things like, if I was on fire, I wouldn't spit on you to put you out. Who says things like that, right? As a Christian, as a child of God, if you was on fire, you mean you really wouldn't spit on me? I mean, just even a little dribble or anything, nothing, just not, not, not even a spit, not nothing? Really? If I was on fire, you just watch me go you know get some marshmallows boys we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a grill out here I mean what would you do just sit there and watch me burn I mean I don't know but you know but can you imagine saying those words as a child of God and then going in church on Sunday morning and saying, Lord I love you I love all your people well except for that guy over there but I love you Lord you're so wonderful you know but I don't love that guy over there you don't know No, burn him you know and one of them said if I was stuck in a and I don't you know I mean who thinks about these things right they said but if I was stuck in like a, a bottle they wouldn't even take the top off to let me get air They let me suffocate it's like <laughs> of, I mean, I know. <laughs> well i grew up that way you know and and um uh but uh, you all sit around and think about stuff like this you know if they were in a bar i wouldn't i wouldn't even take the lid off i'd let them suffocate you know and, and just you know i mean it's like wow you watch way too much tv or something right i mean you know uh, I, I mean, wouldn't you be afraid of lightning, you know? I mean, uh, like maybe a little bit of the Old Testament God, Jehovah, you know, just opened up the earth and eating you or something. I mean, I just can't imagine saying that about my worst enemy, much less a child of God who, who and, you know, of course, you don't know everything, but I never did anything to these people, really. I never did anything. Never. I mean, it was always a blessing to them, but I wouldn't worship people. And sometimes people don't like it when you won't tell them how wonderful they are, you know? And, and uh, I only worship the Lord God. Uh, and so, so there was a lot of reasons for the, for the persecution. Um, and so, so, but, but he, so I asked the Lord that question. Lord, why did you have me go there? You know, it's a valid question, right? A- and the answer he gave me changed my life. He said, the reason I had you go there is because I love those people enough that I, I needed somebody to stay long enough to give them an opportunity to repent. That's what he told me that I had to stay there and, and be persecuted, not because he wanted me to persecute it. It's never about, see, I'm always thinking about me, 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 right? Uh, because everything's about me, right? But see, it's not about me. It's about the Lord needed, he, he loved those people, and he wanted those people to repent, because if they don't repent, they're going to suffer the consequences of walking in sin, living in sin. Uh, and so he desires people to repent, because there's blessings in obedience, right? There's blessings and repenting, blessings to get out of sin, there's goodness, to, good things to be in it. And so sometimes he will send people to go help them, right? Then what he said, Paul, I'm going to send you to these people, Gentiles and kings. So that, they, for what purpose? To give them an opportunity to receive the Lord. Uh, but also in the church, sometimes he will send you to people to, to help them, right? Even though they will persecute you. Because he loves them. It's not about you, it's because he loves them. And he wants them to receive the blessings that come from repenting. And in order for that to happen, sometimes you have to be persecuted to be the one who's willing to stay there. And the Lord said, you're willing to stay. Uh, And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that said, yeah, I couldn't stay. I I couldn't handle the pressure. I couldn't handle being persecuted. You know, I've got other other minister friends of mine that left, that they couldn't handle the pressure. And it's not about me. It's just, it's about, you know, and maybe it's because, uh, you know, I grew up the youngest of 11. I had a lot of combat training over the years, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to quit. I just, if the Lord says to go, then I just go. And now it took me a long time to find the right path in that, right? Because, I mean, for a long, lot of years, I was under the pressure that persecution didn't know how to overcome it, right? I didn't know how to live in the grace of God. Uh, but I did find it before I left, uh, before my pastor went home to be with the Lord. And so the persecution that you will ever suffer, if it's righteous persecution. Now, if you're, you know, being a jerk or being mean to somebody and they persecute you, well, that's not godly. That's just Peter talked about that, right? He said, well, you know, what's a big? If you suffer because you're doing wrong, the Lord's not impressed with that. But if you suffer for doing right, he said, you know, then there's a reward for that. Uh, and and so real persecution, and it's not a, it's not that God wants you to be persecuted. It's not that His goal and desire is for you to be persecuted. But he needs things done. He needs people to be spoken to. He needs somebody willing to go into the darkest places of the earth and bring the light of the gospel to those people, whether they're Christians or, or lost people. He needs people to go there and bring the, the, the good news to them, and they may have to suffer in order to do that. And that's really the only purpose of persecution is that the word's got to get out because he loves the people receiving the word, even if they never receive it. Even if they reject it 100%, he is a righteous God, and he desires to say, I've given everybody a shot. And I love them enough that I want them to have an opportunity to repent. And if they don't repent, that's not on me. That's 100% on them because I sent my... So, see, Paul uh, was the right man. Paul had already been persecuting the church. He was fearless. He'd go anywhere and just jerk them right out out of the church, drag them back to Jerusalem, you know, and throw them in prison. He was fearless, you know, and and the Lord needed needed a Paul. Peter and the rest of the Jews were quivering still in Jerusalem, hiding, you know, in the church, not going out. Oh, we don't know about them Gentiles. They're kind of creepy, you know. We're going to stay right here in the church, not go anywhere. Paul's like, just do it all. Let's go. Just go over there, right? Let's go over here. Let's do it. Let's let's go. Let's go now. You don't go now? Uh, And Paul was the man. He was the man that, that the Lord needed to go to these places that nobody else was willing to go to. And yeah, he suffered horribly for it. But, you know, along with that, the Lord gave him the greatest revelation of any other apostles, right? He was the greatest apostle of the New Testament. Wrote uh, the majority of, of our doctrine that we teach and preach today, right? But see, he, now, now, it's not necessary to be persecuted, right? So we don't want to have a martyr mentality. Well, I've got to be persecuted. I am not looking to be persecuted. I have no desire to be persecuted. Not looking to be persecuted. Not trying to be persecuted. But I will stay the course, right? I'm, you know, now I've been persecuted by experts. But, uh, but see, uh, number one, you don't, be, you don't go looking for it, right? Some people feel like uh, because of whatever their self-worth, they feel like they have to always be persecuted. Well, everywhere I go, I'm persecuted. You know, every, uh, nearly everywhere that Paul went, he was persecuted. But some people loved him. Like the church at Ephesus, they loved Paul. They weeped and cried when he left. And, and so I'm never going to see you again. I'm going to Jerusalem. And they, were, they, they cried on him. He said, you're breaking my heart. He said, I got to go. So there were plenty of people who did love Paul, even the Thessalonians who at first threw him out. Later on, you know, he he bragged about him, said your faith is multiplied, and, and he wrote two letters to the church at Thessalonica, uh, even though originally they were they were mean to him because of the Jews. Right, the Jews stirred things up as they as they were wont to do many times, uh, and so. So when when Jesus said, "Here I will show you how great things you must suffer for my name'sake, how many things, how how great things you're going to suffer." And I can guarantee you that the more you walk in faith, the more you walk in the, in the reality of the honest word of God, the more you will be persecuted, the more people will speak against you, the more people will, will, will pick you out of a crowd and, and just say terrible things about you. Uh, and, uh, well, what's the alternative? To roll over and not have any faith? To just quit and say, well, you know, we're going to be like everybody else and just not have any faith, not believe in healing and not... I mean, I'd take all the persecution in the world and because as far as I'm concerned, right now, my own little self, I can live a life of complete, total healing, complete and total prosperity, complete and total peace of mind. Yeah, the whole world may be against me, but I'm, I am okay. And I'd, rather, I'd much rather have that than just give it all up and say, well, I'm going to be sick like everybody else, broke like everybody else, uh, weighted down with the, with the cares of all the world like everybody else. I mean, yeah, everybody will love me then because it's always a race to the bottom. How are you doing? I'm feeling bad. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling twice as bad as you. I mean, that's the way the church loves to go. Uh, and if you say, I feel great, right? I told you about the meal I was at one time. It's a race to the bottom. How are you feeling? Oh, bad. Oh, yeah, you think you're bad. I'm twice as bad as you are. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm triple as bad as you are. And they just kept going on and on. Finally, they said, I feel great. <laughs> and then you just looked at me like, <laughs> you know, why? Well, that's persecution. Now, this is the church, right? We were, we were, it's not a church function, but if they were all Christians at the meeting, at the, at the meal. I feel great. Uh, and, you know, every now and then I just throw one of those dead cats like that in the middle of a, a, a people racing to the bottom. Now, you know, there's a minor persecution there. I mean, just minor, because you're like, I hate your mama, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, but sometimes you've got you've to say, you know, I'm a person of faith. I don't ever have to deal with that, you know. I'm never unhappy, never sad, never sad, Never depressed. Now, am not going to be that way. Uh, now, see, the Lord needs people of faith to stand the ground, to stand the ground that God is good, yes. that God is a healer. And if you do that, you will suffer persecution because God needs you to tell them that he's good, which seems odd that, that God's got to send Christians, or other Christians to tell them he's good, but he does. Uh, and, and you will be persecuted for it. So you've got to decide, is it worth the cost? Now, the answer is easy. Of course, it's worth the cost because the alternative is to give up all the faith, right? And give up all the belief of healing and and protection and and deliverance and prosperity. And I mean, how much persecution is there because you believe in prosperity? You know, someone said, uh, Kenneth Hagin, he's like the worst person ever because, you know, uh, prosperity, he believes in prosperity. And and all these people that come from his ministry, you know, say the worst things about prosperity. I said, well, why is he at fault for what this guy over here says? He's not telling him what to say. He said, if you knew his ministry, he was one of the biggest givers ever. And if you read his doctrine and the things that he taught about prosperity, it's, it's just basic Christianity. Given it shall be given unto you. It's not even all that sophisticated doctrine. It's pretty simple, right? He And he talked about not living an ostentatious lifestyle, which is a good $64 word, right? But not being flashy and not you know, having to drive a Rolls Royce to prove that you're somebody. You know, He, he lived a... He lived, uh, you know, kind of a uh, just a nice, comfortable home, and dro- he drove a Lexus, I think. He wore Rolex because somebody gave it to him, uh, and um, but he'd wear it. You know, hey, look at my Rolex. You know, people get so mad at him. He'd say, hey, look, at me. look. I'm sure the twenty thousand dollar Presidential Edition, you know, with the diamonds and all that stuff on it, because you know, uh, people gave a lot of people who were very wealthy gave Brother Hagan gifts, and he didn't have a problem at all. Hey, look at hey, this, this nice watch. You know, you know, if somebody gave me, I'd probably wear it and say, hey, look. You he said just because it would annoy somebody. And, you know, and every now and then it's good to annoy people, right? Hey, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? This is this nice? Don't you wish you had one? Yeah. You come to, I'll let you touch it. No, you can't touch it. You know? uh, and so, because I wouldn't care. It's just a thing, right? It's just a, it's just a toy. But the Lord needs people of faith to go where people resist faith. And that's either in the church or out of the church. And you will suffer for that. And the only way that you will overcome is to live in the grace of God. And that's what Paul was, he was trying to get out of, Lord, I want to bring the message, but I don't want to suffer for the message. And the Lord's like, no, that's not the way it works. I suffered for the message, because you, you're not going to be greater than your master, right? Didn't Jesus suffer for the message he gave? Everywhere he went, they tried to stone him, throw him over a cliff, you know, whatever, all the time, all the time beating him up or trying to beat him up. Uh, and they couldn't ever lay a hand on him. And, and, and yet, even though Jesus, until he was caught in Gethsemane, never suffered physically, he did suffer emotionally from from these unkind things. You know, you're, you're casting out devils by Beelzebub. That's a terrible thing to say about somebody. That you're, you know, you're, you're doing your work by the devil. When, of all people, Jesus did it exactly, perfectly right. And yet they still said he was of the devil. Well, that's persecution, right? Uh, and, and why they do that? To hurt his feelings, right? To get him to not be exalted, to hinder his ministry, to get him to just quit. It's like, it's just not worth the trouble. Uh, and, and if you're going to be a person of faith, you will be persecuted. But I wouldn't trade all the persecution in the world for a drop of faith that the Lord has ever showed me. Not even a drop of faith. I love my life, though, just the way it is, right? And I expect it only to get better. Uh, and uh, and so there's going to be a great many things that we will suffer. But but if you go through the stories of Paul, all in the book of Acts, and see all the things he suffered, never one time did it, is there ever a story in the book of Acts where he was sick and couldn't do something. In fact, later on, remember that uh, he said that he was at, at Miletum and he, and he left Trophimus Trofim, sick because he had to go. Now, Paul never had to stop going because he was sick. He, had, he left other people that were sick and didn't go. Uh, sorry, you said, I got to go. Well, I'm sick, Paul. Yeah, sorry about that. I got to go, right? Well, why don't you lay hands on me? Why don't you listen to the message I gave yesterday? You know, uh, and so, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, we'll see. So it was God's will for Trophimus to be sick. It wasn't God's will. for it. There was no doctrine. It just said Trophimus was sick. It doesn't say God wanted to be sick. It just said he was sick and he couldn't go. Well, see, that's the purpose of sickness, is to keep you from going. And if you're not going, then who's missing out on the gospel? Whoever you're supposed to go to, right? And so whoever Paul went to on that next trip did not get all the gospel they were supposed to get because Trophimus was supposed to be a help to Paul and go with him and help him because... You know, he would probably go into different, different houses or different synagogues or whatever. And Paul would do his part, Trophimus do his part. So somebody missed out because Trophimus couldn't go. And that's the whole intent of persecution is to keep you from going. It keep you, is to get you despondent. It's not worth the effort. And I can't tell you how many times that the Lord has had, had me go do something. And I knew, Lord, if I go, there's going to be persecution if I go. You know, one of the... Uh, I'll tell you this, we'll, we'll go... One of the people that persecuted me the most at my pastor's church, you know, the ringleader of a majority of uh, or a lot of the persecution that I suffered under. After my pastor died a couple years later, the Lord said, "Uh, you go talk to him. Well, I don't want to go talk to him. You get the guy over there, go talk to him. You know, he's not going to listen to me. Uh, Oh, you go talk to him. Why me, Lord? Because I want you to suffer. No, that's not why. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you what to say. And and the message the Lord had given to me was he was going through a lot of problems in his life at that point in time. And the message the Lord said was, uh, was if you repent for the things you did uh, when my pastor was alive, then the Lord can get you out of where you're at right now and get you back to where you're supposed to be. That was the message I was supposed to go tell him, right? And I said, well, tell you what, Lord. I said, if you, if you work the conversation around to that to that part of the conversation... I'll do it because if I just walk in and say, "Hey," thus saith the Lord, be like, Pff, you know, they won't listen to the thing I say. So, so I went and found him. And we were just talking, and he brought up that topic. I said, "Well, you know," and so I said, "Well, you know, a lot of those problems," I said, "You know, you are root cause for a lot of those problems," and then I was going to say, "But if you repent, the Lord will get you out of." You know, that's what's. But before I got to that second part, to the good stuff, right? Because you just. He said, well, you were too, and just slammed the door in my face, basically, right? I mean, just not literally, but but uh, figuratively, and just shut it down. And he's still struggling. Years later, Lord's never had me go back. I never did get to tell him the rest of the the, the message the Lord wanted me to but, um But, you know, he immediately accused me. Well, again, that's a minor suffering. I mean, it wasn't like I curled up in a fetal position and cried when he said that. But still, it's like. You know, Lord, why are you sending me? Because, you know, uh, but see, the Lord will do that sometimes. The very person that you persecute the most will be the very one who can get you out of your your sin, right? Uh, and, and so uh, I'm still waiting for a few people to come back. You know, they haven't showed up back yet, but, you know, someday they'll show up again, and I'll be able to have a conversation with them. Well, you know, you're, you are you were a horrible person, and, and uh, if you'll repent, the Lord will forgive you, right? Uh, and so, because uh, I've got nothing against anybody. If all those people that said those things against me walked in that door right there, I'd praise God. Good to see you. You know, how you been, right? Have a seat. Um, you want a chicken leg? We just had chicken today. I got sick of probably a couple of chicken legs for you. Um, so the persecution that the Paul, the suffering that Paul had to go through was all the persecution, right? Because that's what it said there. Um, and we'll look at one more thing uh, and we'll probably finish up this chapter. But Paul does go through a lot of his lists of things that he suffered under and uh, there's nowhere in there that talks about sickness and disease. They're all talking about persecution. So, And, and I want to do that. I want to go through those verses because, again, they're the, the Bible foundation of why this is true, that Paul's suffering was persecution and not sickness and disease. And he literally covers that in in the Word of God. And so we'll look at that because we need to have uh, that foundation there. Amen? So let's, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You, Father, that... Although we will suffer, it's not your desire for us to suffer, but sometimes it's a necessary part of bringing the word of God to people's lives because you love them and you, you desire for them to receive repentance and receive the blessings of heaven. And so, Father, we thank you that if you tell us to go, Father, we'll be like Ananias and say, uh, here I am, Lord. Um, and, and just as the prophet said, we'll, we'll say, here, I, here am I, Lord, send me. So, Father, if you, if you, if you need us to go, Father, we'll go. And we won't pick and choose and limit it to only people that we love and only people that like us, Father. We'll go where you say to go. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this this afternoon's offering. You know, years ago, uh, the Lord uh, said, you go talk to this pastor in another city and see about ministering for him. Uh, And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. That's long before I was a pastor. And so I went and had a great lunch with him and said, well, you know, uh, let, let's, uh, uh, he said, when do you want to come? And it kind of took me surprised because, you know, I didn't know. And this was a long time before I had everything on my, my phone. He said, well, I'll, I'll call you next week. We'll schedule a date. No problem. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. And so I called him the next week. He didn't answer the phone. I thought, well, that's odd. And that's how I called him like a, you know, uh, like a thousand times after that. He never would answer the phone. I thought, that's really odd, you know. And I saw him about a year later. I said, hey, you know, I'd like to come minister for you. Something. Oh, yeah, give me a call. Here's my personal cell phone number. Sweet, you know. I called him again. You know what he did? Nothing. Wouldn't answer the phone. I thought, That's really odd that, you know, you'd say that, and, you know. Uh, and, um, and so I was talking to the Lord about it. And I said, Lord, you know, I was a little bummed about it. Lord, you know, what's the deal? You sent me there. And, and, um, uh, and then he won't even answer the phone. And the Lord gave me another great revelation. He said, you know, uh, uh, everything's not about you answer. You need to tell me how sorry this guy is, right? Uh he said, everything's not about you. He said, This minister is known for not being a man of his word. And I sent you there to give him an opportunity to be a man of his word, uh, so that, you know, uh I mean he didn't he didn't give me the rest of it, but but the rest of it is so that in the future if judgment falls, he's without excuse, right? Because I went for the purpose of giving him an opportunity to to put his word out there. Sure, you can come and minister at my church. But then he didn't have any intention for me to minister to his church. And I don't know why. Just tell me no. I mean, you know, just say, sorry, you don't have an opening right now. I mean, that's fine, right? But don't, don't say you do and then don't. Uh, and uh, it was a big revelation. That, you mean there's other people in the world besides me, Lord? That was a big revelation, right? That there's somebody else in the world besides me. Uh, but see, he sent me there for that guy. Again, not for me, because I'm thinking it's about me, right? I'm going to go get to, you know, preach at this big church. And uh, show everybody how smart and wonderful I am. Uh, And um, that that whole purpose was for that fellow, right? Uh, And again, minor suffering, but uh, uh, still the Lord many times will have you go do things for the benefit of the people that you're going to. It's not always about you. In fact, it's really never about you. It's always about the people that you're going to, right? Uh, I know that's a big revelation, but uh, but there are other people in the world besides you. You know that, right? Uh, And so... Praise God. Well, be blessed and have a wonderful week, Lord, and we'll see you next Sunday.